Okay, so Double Shot listeners, something a little bit special this week. This is James, by the way. Uh, Alex, not with us. She's uh, busy bringing a little little boy into the world. But um, we're going to mix it up this week. I've got a guest. His name is Todd and um, Todd Sloan. He's got a podcast called Pizza and Property. And he got Alex on to his podcast a couple of years ago now. He's got a great story. He has done his own property investing. He's got I think 10 properties or something, uh, got a great story, started out uh, wanting to be in, in media and film, uh, landed in the mines, had an injury, setback, um, worked in real estate and now has completely changed everything and, and, and become an active property investor, which is very different to what Alex and I do. We're, we're passive investors. Um, it doesn't mean that it, it doesn't work or that one works better than the other. It, it comes down to what is going to work best for you. I couldn't do what Todd has done. It just wouldn't suit me personally. Um, but I feel it's a great opportunity for us to talk about his story, his method, uh, the way that he has built his portfolio and what it looks like, his philosophies and formula. And you'll probably pick up how how he differs from us. Um, but also, I guess you, you'll hear a different approach, a different story. And hopefully you'll be entertained and, and learn something from the discussion. So uh, please do give us some feedback. Uh, he's got his own podcast channel that you may be interested in as well. And uh, I'm also going to get him to join us for the quick shots this week as well. So something slightly different where we've actually taken questions from Alex, which I've asked uh, Todd. So really enjoyed my chat. It was it was different because I was in Adelaide where he's from. And uh, we took the opportunity to catch up at his studio. So I was actually, weirdly enough, doing him an interview with him for our podcast in his studio. But uh, lots of fun and I hope you enjoy. And uh, we will be back to normal programming uh, next week, but thought we'd mix it up this week. So please do enjoy. Uh, welcome, Todd. Feels uh, feels a little bit weird. I'm I'm in I'm interviewing you for our podcast, but I've come to your studio, uh, which is really cool, like full full kit set up the whole lot. Thank you. Uh, so I was going to say thank you for being here, but I guess also thanks for having me. Mate, thank you for having me, and uh, thank you. Yeah, there's a bit of crossover <laughs> here, but, but I, I, it kind of felt like a no-brainer to, to take advantage of this opportunity, the fact that you Correct. were in Adelaide, we had a schedule anyway, we are going to kind of do it over Zoom, and it's like, let's, let's chat in person. Yes, uh, I called you yesterday, Arvo, and we, th- and, and we just randomly sort of said, well, if you're in Adelaide, why aren't we just doing it here? So I rushed here in the morning. You've given me a lovely double shot to get us started. So thank you. <laughs> um, and and a, a, just a, a great setup. So uh, what I might start with is is to get your story. You've got a great story. I'd love to, to share it with our listeners. Um, but yeah, if you can maybe talk us through how you've come to be running the, the pizza property podcast, mm-hmm. but more importantly, you know, becoming the, the property investor that's allowed you to do that as well. Yeah, love to. Um, so everything actually started when I was probably 19 years old and went to the mines because I was trying to produce a TV show <clears throat> and um, I, I, I had stars in my eyes. No one wanted to give me money. Uh, I got a whole lot of in-kind sponsorship and I was like, screw it, I'm going to go to the mines and pay for this thing myself. And I was just fortunate enough that my my cousin's girlfriend's mum 
was like partially in charge of the hiring and firing for this mining company. So my resume went to the top of the pile quicker than others. Yeah. Anyway, got a job as a lackey. Um, and then I remember I, I went to like uh, Angus and Robinson or whatever. If, if, I don't even know if they're still around. And um, my mum was the one that was like, don't blow all your money on, on alcohol and just get drunk every night. So I made this promise to myself that I wasn't going to drink when I was up there. And, and I really didn't, apart from Clayton's, which is a different story. Um, but but I, I got this book and I remember the lady saying, like, oh, do you want to join our book club? I was like, no. Like, I remember thinking, like, I'm, whatever. Uh, next stint that I came back down, I did end up joining the book club. And I just started reading ferociously. But the, the two books that changed everything was um, Donald Trump 101. Mm-hmm. And this is before Donald Trump is who he is now. He, mm-hmm. he was more of a property developer than yep. everything else. President. Wanted for various crimes. Yeah. This is 2006. So we're going back a little bit. Yep. And and I remember reading in that book, it's basically you either make it huge or it doesn't happen for you in the media side of things. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I never thought of that. And this is pre-YouTube. So YouTube was probably around, but it wasn't what it is. Mm -hmm. So then I picked up Steve McKnight's book. This was zero to 260 properties in seven years. And, And this kind of blew my mind because I couldn't work out why people would pay you to own a house. And now the way that Steve built his fortune, obviously things are a little bit different. I think the first house he bought was in Ballarat for like $40,000. Like it's not going to happen anymore. There's there's a few changes in the market. Mm. But a few of the fundamental principles still applied. And, and I just remember thinking this is amazing. But I never put any of it into action. It took such a long time. I, I What I refer to now is I was a parrot. Like I'd read all this... Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Steve McKnight, all this kind of stuff. And I'd be like, I, I was the guy telling everyone how they should invest. And all I mm. owned was an apartment and I didn't mm. actually invest anywhere else. Mm. And I never took action. Mm. Mm. And it wasn't until, like, you've got to fast forward quite a bit, until 2017 that I actually bought my first property because I went through a fair bit. I, I had an accident on a drill rig. I couldn't walk properly for almost four years. I had three bulging discs between my T6 and T11 and two facet joints out of place. It was mm-hmm. incredibly painful and, and I just self-medicated. So I was a lot of fun to be around. I, I would just drink constantly. but it's, A fun it, parrot. Well, yeah, yeah, let's say <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, I, I, I end up just running my life into the ground in every way that you can. Mm, right. L- lost a five-year relationship, like had to give away a property that I bought. Like when I finally started taking some action, that, that all fell mm. apart. Anyway, so fast forward to, to 2017, and I kind of woke up to myself. I became uh, an agent. Actually, I've missed a bit there. Um, after I started walking properly, and I walked from Adelaide to Melbourne, and, and I did that for charity, and I think it's because I just I wanted to do something that felt impossible. Mm. And, and I strongly encourage anyone that feels stuck. It's a wonderful thing to do, and it doesn't have to be like that, that kind of big, or maybe maybe it's bigger for you. Everyone's impossible is different, but doing something that just feels so stupid changes the way that you think once you do it because mm. it's, it's actually quite simple when you break it down. And, and I started applying it to different things as well. Like after I walked to Melbourne, I then rode a bike from Darwin to Adelaide. And most people do that in six weeks. I did it in 14 days. So we're doing about 200 kilometers per day. And I'm not a cyclist. I, I, I'd never ridden a bike before. I picked it up six months before and then did the ride. Mm. And, and I found people like Diana Nyad. She's, and I still, Jared, uh, actually, uh, our creator sent me uh, a link the other day. She's got a movie on Netflix now. I can't wait to see it. And she's just phenomenal. 
everyone is always like, this is impossible, this is impossible, you can't do this, you can't do this. And she just finds a way. I don't know if you've heard of Nyad before? No. Like, you, you'd like it, James. I've got Netflix, though, so I, I, I will know her soon. Dude, she, she, she swam from Cuba to Florida, or tried to, when oh, she wow. was um, in her 20s and failed, mm. then tried mm. again, I think, in her 40s and failed. So, spoiler alert, I should say. Um, then tried again in her 50s, and it took her until she was 60 years old to mm. swim from Cuba to Florida like it's, it's something like 46 hours or 48 hours of straight swimming nonstop. Hmm. And I found that when I met with cyclists, um, so this is probably going to be a longer episode, dude. Um, <laughs> when, fine. when I met with cyclists, roll. They, they would tell me that I couldn't do it. I remember hmm. meeting with this one lovely guy, Damien Howie, um, but, and I was like, oh, I just want some advice. And it just happened to be one of those small world situations. His hmm. missus at the time actually used to make like my coffee. She was a barista that I'd, I'd go to every morning. She's like, oh, my, my husband's a, a cyclist. You should chat with him. Hmm. And he was just like, dude, I can't even do this. And I'm a professional cyclist. Like you, you can't do it. And, and like respectfully and nicely, but in respectfully and nicely in my mind, I was like, so says you. Like it, it, it yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Hmm. And this is why I think doing something that feels impossible changes the way that you look at things. Because mm. if I hadn't have done Melbourne before that, I probably would have listened to him. Mm. I probably would have gone like, yo, well, this is what he does for a living. He, he knows best, blah, blah, blah. And, and you start going down someone else's narrative instead mm. of following yours. Did the physical challenges start before the wealth building yes. um, f- phase? So that, they, they happened before you started to, to make the financial challenges, I guess. hundred percent. Really? No, not the parroting okay. stage. Yes. That, that started beforehand. Yes. But the actual taking action and building mm. stage, yes. So it's almost like you've built a bit of confidence because I always say a lot of people, what holds them back, right, is the confidence that they can do something. Yeah. And particularly with, with wealth building, a lot, a lot of people just think it's, it's something that rich people do, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas I say to them, look, uh, confidence, no one starts with confidence. Confidence comes from doing, mm-hmm. and it, you, you take you know a journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. You take that first step, and then you can take two steps, and then you know gradually you build this confidence within you that sort of almost frees you up to be able to take on bigger challenges as you go. Absolutely, and and then they don't seem as big when you can then break them down as well. Mm. Like when you take something, like take Darwin for instance. I used to know the actual numbers on this because I used to give it as like a little talk. But if, if you ride a bike at 25 kilometers an hour, that's not particularly fast. Like a proper cyclist would be riding at like 35, 40 mm, kind of kilometers mm. an hour, but it's also not super slow. Mm. But if you think about it, it's like the thought of riding for two hours for most people, mm. it's not crazy, but it's, mm. it's, it's not, not in, like it, it's okay. Mm. Do that once, you've just gone 50 kilometers. It's mm. so, like, okay, cool. Do you think you could do that twice in a day? If that is all you had to do for a mm. day, you're like, yeah, probably. So, well, you've just rode your bike 100 kilometers, mm. which for most people, that, that probably seems insane. And so, okay, well, do, do you think maybe that you could do that three times in a day? Well, we're probably pushing it now, but maybe. And then it's like, we'll start stringing this together because now you're riding 150 kilometers per day just in these little two-hour blocks and all you've got to focus on is the two-hour blocks. Mm. And if, if you know that this one links to the next one, which is probably one of the things, I've never actually drawn this parallel, but but now that I'm thinking about it, probably one of the things that really helped with building the portfolio. Because mm. if you, you look at what's in front of you now, if you buy a property and you can't explain how that's going to help you get to the next property, in my opinion, you need to think very carefully about buying that because you need to be able to go, okay, this is either going to grow in value, I'm going to add value, it's the yield, it's the whatever it is, but that's going to help me get into the next one. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, it's that breaking it up and going, okay, well, this is just what I'm doing now, 
but I can see where it leads to. But it's just the next step. But as long as you know the next step is a part of that bigger plan, which in this case, like using it to go to, to Darwin, you, you've only got to do that for, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I should have done the math before I started talking about this. What is that? 3,000 kilometers broke up of 150 a day. What is that? 15 days? Yeah. Sounds, sounds right. about 20 right. days, something 20 like that. 20 days, I think. Mm. And, and you've just cycled across an entire continent. Mm. Like by doing all of these little things mm. consistently. Mm. And it's it's the same kind of philosophy. And so so let's talk about the property portfolio now. Uh-huh. How did that start? You were working in real estate. Um, yes. You, you had the apartment still or, or, or did you? I did, yeah. So yeah. I, I had the apartment and it was 2017 mm-hmm. and, and I'd kind of woke up to uh, a friend and I were renting a penthouse in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And it was a cool lifestyle. It was all good. But I wasn't, oh, bet. Yeah. I wasn't earning much money though. Like I shouldn't have had that lifestyle. Yes. It was a bad financial decision. Yes. And I, because I, I really struggled with real estate sales to begin with because I didn't understand, and I don't know why, but it took me a while to grasp this, that you're really selling yourself in a listing presentation. And I, I had, it took me ages to find the balance between overconfident idiot and like, passive, like not, not enough confidence. There's, mm-hmm. there's this little middle ground that people need to go, mm-hmm. okay, I believe you can do what you're doing, but you're not coming across arrogant, that, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And because it took me a long time to find, I was on the retainer pretty much for the first mm. like two years. Mm-hmm. So I was on like mm-hmm. 38 grand a year. Mm. And it was, In a penthouse. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Adelaide, so it's cheaper. It's, yeah, still. Yeah. You're so, in the penthouse, yep. And, and splitting it with a mate. So and, and, and this was the justification I told myself at the time. It's like, yeah, yes. but you're going halves and you're doing this. And it's like, mate, you still stop it. Like, and, and yeah, so I, I end up going, all right, I'm going to move in with mum. Mm. I'm going to go into full sacrifice mode. Like I could have afforded to, to get my own place, but mum was by herself as well. So mm. she, I think there was a certain part of her that actually enjoyed it, a bit of company. Mm. And um, I just thought, I'm just going to go into full sacrifice savings and start renovating. And so I sold my property in, uh, it was on North Terrace because it hit me that I couldn't do anything with it. And I didn't like that as you probably sort of gathered by now, like I'm a bit of a take charge, like I want to... I want to actually take the the lead and I couldn't subdivide it. I couldn't renovate it. I, I couldn't add any kind of value. So I bought a property in, it's actually in Port Pirie. I was talking about this with someone just last night on a live. If someone, Where's Port Pirie for a bit, a bit of context for the listeners? Two and a half hours north of Adelaide. Two and a half hours north. Okay. Yep. And it, it's a small town, 15 odd thousand. Like, and, and, and this is my thing. If someone came to me with this deal today... I don't know if I'd actually tell them to buy it. Like it wasn't a good deal, but it was a good deal for me because it was $62,500. Like it was basically free. And I had to put in a a septic tank, a power pole, like someone had trucked in a transportable home Mm -hmm. and then they went bankrupt and it sat Mm -hmm. there for six years. Mm -hmm. And it was a 1990s build, so it wasn't really in that bad condition. It just needed a bit of a cosmetic uplift. And so it was great for a first time. Mm. And I ended up... Yeah, getting it for 62 and a half. I spent about 12 months on it. Like if you gave me the same project now, I'd do it in a weekend, but just about. It'd be a lot quicker. But I had no idea what I was doing. Yes. Uh, but I ended up getting it revowed. I think I spent 35 or so on it, but I got it revowed at like 125. So we're not talking like big stacks of cash. I, I wasn't like yeah, mm. balling or anything, but it was just enough that I could pull the equity out and then I could do it again. And mm. then I ended up buying another And what were you one. renting that for? I think it was 200 and, 
$240 a week. $240 a week and it owed you about 90 Something like that, yeah. Mm. yeah. So it was, it was very positive cash flow. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, that, that's not very. This is the thing with regional low-value stock. By the time you mm. actually take into account the rates and all that other stuff, mm-hmm. it's not as positive cash flow as you think. Yeah. So that now is still definitely not the best performing asset. Mm-hmm. There's other mm-hmm. developments I've done that are way better now. But it got you started. Correct. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm kind of torn with the whole, like if someone asked me, should I buy it? So if you can see how it opens up the door to the next one, mm-hmm. yeah. But otherwise, no, it's not like just a wonderfully performing asset, mm-hmm. set alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then from there? And then from there, I ended up buying another renovation project. Yep. So this was 2017 was the first one. Then... Yep. 20, 2018, the next one, 2019, how, how long? I have to actually check photos, but I reckon it was 2019 because it was towards the end of 2017 mm-hmm. that I bought the the first one. Mm-hmm, Let mm-hmm. me just quickly go through. And then I, and, and this is actually something, we did an episode on this on pizza and property. I'd been wanting to make it for years and I couldn't find anyone that I thought was a good fit for it. And I, I found this wonderful guy, uh, Justin, who was a former psychologist then turned into a mortgage broker and a property mm. investor as well. I was mm-hmm. like, perfect. The episode construct was, is your partner a financial fit? Because we, we often don't talk about this, but who you're married to or just in a long-term de facto, because it's pretty much the same thing these days, has such a huge impact on, on your financial life, whether mm. that's going through separation or whether that's having someone that either supports you or you have to kind of drag along. Mm, mm. And and I was with someone that, lovely girl, but she wasn't on the same page as far as goals were concerned. She mm. she just wanted to go, Look, let's just buy a, a million dollar house, dead ourselves to the eyeballs, get new like Mazda MX-5s and like get a dog. And I was like, I want all those things, but let's do it in a different order so we're not like glued to this job forever. Mm. Uh, anyway, so that we ended up buying the house together because... Sometimes you make bad decisions <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and uh, renovated it together. The relationship fell apart. I'm just trying to look. So this was after Port Piri. This is after Port Piri. Okay. I'm just so this was number two. Number two. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah. 2018. Yes. 2018. So the next year. The next year. Yep. So 2018 ended up buying it. And, and again, this was uh, regional. So this one was in Murray Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, bought mm-hmm. it for like around $100,000. Mm-hmm. Um, but we only need to spend nine grand on it because it looked atrocious. We counted, I think it was 146 holes in the walls. It was just trash, but it was cosmetically trashed. Mm. And so there was little things. And this is where I really started understanding that power of DIY as well. Like we're, I'd go up there every single weekend. This is the sacrifice. You and I were talking about the downside to, to what I do. And the downside to it is if you want something that's like passive, this mm. is not the strategy for you because mm. th- this is work. Mm. And I remember getting quotes for like 15 grand or something stupid to replace the ceiling. And I was just mm. like, I'm not doing that. And 15 grand was a lot of money to me then. Mm-hmm. And so every night, like on the weekends, I would just, I learned how to plaster and patch and end up patching every single hole, painting it all, looked good as new. Mm. And the thing was worth, what was it? And we spent about nine grand on it. And so you bought it for a hundred, spent nine. Yep. And then got it revowed. But then we broke up and, and we ended up getting three vows. And it was... Mm. It was reasonably amicable and basically the deal that we had together was let's get three valuations and we'll we'll average those out Mm. and then I'll pay you the difference because we did go halves on it. Mm. So I was like, yep, and fair enough, I'll I'll owe you that. That was was probably my mistake with number two though because then that really restricted number three. I Mm. just had enough to now get into Metropolitan Adelaide Mm. and and because you've got to remember I was – 
at this stage, I was probably earning maybe 70 grand a year. I'd gone mm. up from like 40-ish mm. kind of grand. So I didn't have a lot of options mm. and I was just making best with what I had. Mm. And then from, from that stage, then I got uh, property number three and that's when it had a, a swimming pool. Mm. It was it was all kinds of messed up. I actually called the RSPCA on like because there was a dog in there that just you could tell this poor thing had not got any love. Oh no! And and I was just like, yeah, this this is this is perfect for for a Renault project. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's gonna scare away buyers. Yep. <laughs> the dog in the pool. And it does. I mean, the way that I... <laughs> no, the dog wasn't in the pool. Oh, no. okay. I, actually, I can show you pictures Sorry. of the pool, man. You see what I'm talking about. It's disgusting. I I smelt smells that I didn't know existed. Okay. <laughs> uh, but the way that I used to describe it to agents was the, the worse it smells, the more mm. I'm interested. Mm. And so have you continued to buy buy and renovate? Is that, has that been your strategy the whole way along? A- absolutely. Yep. So, so no, no subdividing at this stage. Your 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 sort of strategy, I guess, is around buying, adding a little bit of value. Oh wow! I'm being shown for the listeners. <laughs> I'm being shown the pool at the moment, and uh, that doesn't look good. No, it really wasn't. <laughs> uh, okay, so so we're at number three. Yep. You want to get into Metro Adelaide, mm-hmm. but but. Well, no, that was Metro Adelaide. Adelaide. Oh, that, that is Metro Adelaide. So like but you wanting to stay to Metro Adelaide at this point? Well, at that point, then I was like, okay, now it's time to diversify state-wise. Mm-hmm. And, and so for, for four and five, mm-hmm. what I ended up doing was uh, getting something in uh, Logan, just outside mm-hmm. of Brisbane, mm-hmm. and, and I ended up buying a, a property there. I actually used a BA for this one and I've got it for three. A buyer's agent for That's those. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, for the lingo. Yeah, um, yeah. <coughs> and, and we got it for for three oh three. Renovated that one and built a granny flat out the back. So turned that into two mm-hmm. rentals, mm-hmm. and and that one now all in that was about four hundred and seventy. Mm-hmm. Reno, um, granny flat, everything. Um, that's probably now worth closer to eight hundred, and it rents for about a thousand dollars a week combined. I think it's yep. just over a thousand a week now. And how how'd you go doing that interstate? Because I imagine that's a that's a that's a different challenge. If you're going to be renovating to do it interstate, mm-hmm. obviously you're not you're not there all the time. Or if you, if you have to be there, you've got to maybe make a commitment to get up there for a for a period. How how did you sort of work your way through that? So my girlfriend at the time, but now wife, and mm-hmm. this is what I mean by the partner financial fit. Totally different. Mm-hmm. Like she's and, and and to give a quick tip that Justin actually gave me is that there needs to be a leader and a cheerleader, mm. and you need to know whose role is what because mm. a lot of the time what breaks down the financial side in relationships is when two people are trying to be the leader, or when nothing ever happens is when two people are the cheerleader expecting the other person to take the lead. Mm-hmm. And we've very much got the dynamic that I take the lead and and she does the cheering but she is 100% there by my side. So we we ended up getting this place and this is during COVID as well, remember. So we were so lucky. We almost got locked into Brisbane. And I remember because I was still an agent and getting calls from, from clients going like, please come back. I want you to sell my house. You're going to get locked up there. And it was like, I had to roll the dice and just go, no, I'm, I'm doing this. And so we, we got, um, I got really good deals on paint. Um, I've got a, a connection, great guy at, at Waddle. And um, we ended up trucking a whole bunch of paint, tools, everything we needed up to Brisbane. And I was just fortunate enough that my dad's um, 
my dad worked for a company that had a little bit of storage space in a warehouse. Mm. So because of all of the delays that were going on during COVID, I trucked it up there two weeks before we needed it because I thought, for all we know, it's it's not going to get there on time. Turns out it actually did get on there, there on time. We were lucky. Mm-hmm. But I knew everything needed to work perfectly. We allowed 14 days to get this whole reno done. Mm-hmm. We ended up getting it done in 10 days. So we hired some lackeys while we are up there and, and basically just worked everyone stupid o'clock. And mm-hmm. we were getting up at 5 in the morning. We were going to bed generally around the kind of 9 o'clock at night. And we're doing anywhere between sort of like 12 to 14-hour days. But when you add that up and you look at that workload... And like we don't have Starbucks in Adelaide. So this is my my one like basic bitch confession. I, I love pumpkin spice lattes. I, I, <laughs> I just love them. <laughs> I didn't even know that existed. Oh, mate, it does. Pumpkin spice. You I got, mean, I've heard of caramel lattes, but pumpkin spice lattes. You, you got to try my, one. My wife would be right into that. She's she's dietitian, loves her veggies. So oh. uh, <laughs> do, it doesn't drink coffee, but um, but Han, 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 Han will listen to this, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll come back to that because <laughs> I'd like to unpack my wife husband relationship but but yeah, yeah. um okay so the pumpkin spice latte sorry carry on it just it kept me going okay. I, I had a stupid yeah. i reckon i probably spent about 200 dollars on on starbucks <laughs> like, it was just it just kept like anyway um we were absolutely wrecked by the end of it but when you add up the amount of man hours that just bianca and mm. i put into that so mm. that's let, let's let's call it even just 12 hour days and go mm. conservative mm. And 10 hour days that's that's 240 hours on on each of us just in a week and a bit if, mm. if you can condense it and you can put in, again, this is what I mean by it's effort, but if you can put in a lot of effort in a small amount of time, like the returns were for us have been phenomenal with that. Mm. But we knew that we, we had no... I actually think it's it's not true, but have you ever heard that fable of like the old general that he, everyone came off the island in the ship and then they were, were about to invade and they turned around and the ships were on fire and he was mm. like, now you don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Apparently that's bollocks. It's not actually true. But it's a nice fable of burn the boats. And mm. we, we knew the boats were burnt. There was mm. no coming back because mm. of COVID, because of work commitments, because of all mm. of these other things. And you just get it done. Mm. You take mm. work to the next level. And then we ended up enjoying the next four days in the Gold Coast. And we just stayed at the Hilton and got like stupidly expensive massages and, and all kinds of stuff. And it was so much more enjoyable mm. Like it's like if you've ever done a fast mm. and you don't eat for a day or two mm. days or whatever mm. it is. Mm doesn't matter what you eat when you break that fast. It's the best thing in the world. And it's it's kind of similar in that way of you enjoy that downtime so much more when you've absolutely smashed it. And not only smashed it like I've worked hard, but you've now gotten mm. that much closer mm. to reaching a goal that maybe before seemed a little mm. bit impossible. Mm. So you've gone Adelaide into southeast Queensland. Mm-hmm. Anywhere else from there or, or do you keep going in southeast Queensland? Um, was from there? Um, no, back to Adelaide. So actually, I was negotiating the deal while I was painting the wall on that property. Mm. I remember just before I flew out, I I was actually getting annoyed because I wanted to get another deal. And this one was taking ages because we had a few problems with, with tenants and, and mm. yeah, there was just a couple of issues we had to sort out. Oh, what was it? I reckon it was about nine o'clock at night. I ended up losing the deal during the day and then he called me at nine and I was out the, out the side spraying the, the wall and the guy's like, if you want it, it's still yours. And this was a, a little two-bedroom unit in Adelaide. And, and I was really fortunate enough that I just sold, excuse me, I just sold a pretty much renovated unit in the, it's technically not the same complex, but it was pretty much the same complex. 
mm. um, like identical floor plan. And I just sold it for 300 and what was it? 320 something. Mm. And they wanted two. Tw- as the agent or as, as the, the agent? Owner. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And they wanted like 220. Mm. And, and this is one of the really beneficial things to getting in with an agent mm. because I know some people listening to this might go, oh, yeah, but I'm not an agent. You had like insider information. It's like call an agent and ask. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've done that plenty of times when I wasn't the agent. I was like, mm. hey, man, I've just noticed you got this under contract. What would you get for it? Mm. Because if you can get that information before other people have, mm. it can be a, a huge gain. And this was. So we ended up securing that for 225000 We spent about twenty grand renovating that and then got that revowed for I think it was three three hundred and thirty or 320000 so there was there was a decent uplift on that. That's now probably worth about four hundred to four hundred and twenty, and rents are at four hundred and twenty a week. So every time it's always been add value, so I can pull the equity out and keep going, but also maintaining a really strong yield, because if the yield's not there, like it, it's not that it doesn't matter, but it will it will slow you down, in my mm, opinion. Mm. And and I look at that and I think then if if you if you balance both of them. You'd, it's not completely unstoppable. I want to put a little caveat there, but it's almost. Like if you could just keep having that capital and keep having that strong yield, you just keep going, mm. which then led me to the last purchase that, that I've made. We're going to make another one this year, but um, a whole bunch of troubles and tribulations with IVF have, have changed that around. But, mm. um, but right now the last purchase was a block of four units in Cairns. Mm. And I purposely bought that because it was... Uh, that the four were in need of work, but not so need of work that you couldn't rent them out. Mm. They're in that sort of like middle zone mm. of mm. They're, they're okay. So I actually rent them out to government housing up there. Mm. And um, that that's a, a fantastic yield. So I bought them for I think seven, 750, 770, something along those lines. Um, it's probably worth just over a mil now. It's, it's done reasonably well capital growth and I haven't done anything to it. That's just mm. picking the right spot. Uh, and collectively it rents for, um, I think, just under $1,500 a week. So it's like 360 something um, mm. each each unit. Mm. So the yield's quite strong. And this is where I had about 65, 70 grand positive cash flow a year before rates went up. Mm. That's now gone. But, mm. <laughs> but, mm. but I, I'm also not 60, 70 grand a year negative, which mm. I know a lot of my friends in the industry there and some of the larger portfolios they've got, they're negative hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Mm, geez. And and for them, it works. Mm. For me, I never felt comfortable with that. Mm. I never mm. wanted it to, to be tied, yeah, something that was tied around my neck. Otherwise, mm. I would have just gone down that path with Amy of let's buy the house and the MX-5s and mm. just dead mm. ourselves mm. to the eyeballs. Um. So, so I, I've done one renovation, uh-huh. and uh, it, it was my first home. So, so um, to get started, you, you do much like your story. You just use what you've got, right? Mm. So, in uh, in Queensland, where in Brisbane, where I'm from, the uh, first homeowners grant in 2011, uh, when I bought my first house, was mm. for for older properties uh, as well as new. So, yep. uh, I. I was able to buy an old property for I think I bought it for like three hundred thousand dollars ish in Brizzy, in in um, Brisbane towards Ipswich. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice. I borrowed the ten percent deposit from my uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, he charged me, didn't charge me interest, but he said I'll I'll take twenty five percent of whatever it goes up by. 
And I said, oh, that's, that's fair even enough. smarter. Well done, John. Probably even smarter. Yeah, yeah. He knows what he's doing, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. He got a very good interest rate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then and then I got the $10,000, which I used for, for the renovation as well as um, a bit of savings that I that I had, maybe another $10,000. Mm-hmm. You don't pay stamp duty. But that, that was for me, it was my only way in. And I was working a, a full-time job at the okay. time in, in Brisbane. Um, you have to go and live in the house to get the first homeowner's grant. So right. um, I, I spruced it up, um, lived in it for six months. You only had to live in it for six months. And the thing that, that I think a lot of people take for granted or, or maybe underestimate is it's a project. Like it, mm. it, it requires a lot of effort. Like, yes, there's huge upside, but, you know, I was similar to you. I was, um, I was driving out there at, at five o'clock most mornings, or to get there by six, mm-hmm. I'd meet all the trades and cause I couldn't do anything myself. So, so I didn't do any of the, uh, the work myself per se, uh, mm-hmm. other than a bit of labor to help out. Um, and then, then I'd be there till eight, then I'd go to work, yep. then I'd come back at five, check that everything was done. Um, and it was just like, it was probably six or seven weeks uh, of that. And then your weekends are gone. Um, just tidying it up and, and there was a lot of landscaping and, and all that. And, and, and I got to the end of it and said, look, I, I just feel like that's not sustainable for me. Mm-hmm. I, I like I like the job I'm doing. I, I want to grow in that job. And I feel like I'd, I'd be letting things sort of fall to the, to the side if I kept doing this. Or I'd have to literally take time off to just get it done. You know, that, mm. that seemed to be the way that, that, that if I was to do it. Because, um, you know, it's... It, Trades don't turn up. That that nothing nothing annoyed me more than a trade wouldn't turn up. Mm-hmm. And then what I found, because I had no idea what I was doing, is I didn't realise that by that trade not turning up, it not means the fit. next trade can't. And so so you got to call every other trade yep. and let them know. Sorry, guys, uh, this guy can't get here till tomorrow. So you got to go, come back another day. Oh, um, I'm busy that day. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. When can you get there? That that day. Oh, okay. Well, you affect the next trade. So. <laughs> Yeah, like, so it does. It does require a, a, a bit of organisation and planning, mm-hmm. and I think you got to you got to give a lot of yourself to it. it you know, it, it would be zapping. I'm sure the projects. You know, in those initial phases where you spend the two weeks doing it up, you'd, you'd be wrecked at the end of it, right? It's not a it's not a picnic. Just you know, well, make a few phone calls and your renovation's done, is it? But I, I don't know how you'd approach if you were to do it again. And by the sounds of things, it wouldn't match your portfolio at all from what you and I've chatted about. But I, I actually like the idea now of having the intense two weeks instead of because the unit, we did it differently. When we came back from uh, from Logan, we were just like, nah, let's let's not do it all in one. But then I ended up, I, old back injury, I twinged my back a couple of times. What should have mm. probably taken three months of weekends and, and coordinating trades because we do a mixture of DIY and trade organization. And it ended up taking probably more like six months. And Bianca and I talked about it afterwards and we're like, we would have been better off taking off, even if it was just a week. And let's say it didn't completely get finished, but it like just absolutely springboarded at 50, 60% ahead. You're kind of better off just smashing it out because then that also plays into like what's called like your velocity of return. It's like if, if you can make 100 grand, but it takes you a year versus you can make 50 grand, but it takes you three weeks, I would take 50 grand in three weeks any day of the week because Keep, keep replicating that. Makes mm. a lot more sense. I think, um, no, I think if I had my time again, it would just be, I wouldn't do anything different. Mm. Um, I would I would pick one strategy and stick to it. 
Yeah. I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is they try and do a bit of everything. You yeah, know, yeah, you, yeah. you're either active or you're passive. You, mm. You've either you've either got a particular model and formula that works for you, which you do, mm. or 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 you, you don't. You know, I, I think if you're trying to do multiple different things and um, you know, uh, playing around with all these things that that you know, project number one is a certain way and then project number two is different. That's when I find things implode and people have to sell things and, and start again and, you know, run into problems. I think I think you stick to a strategy and, and you just, just do that one thing and do it really well over a long period of time. That's that's the key to success in, in anything really, but, but particularly with the investment strategies, I think. And I think don't be afraid to outsource it if you don't know as well. I think that that's one of the things that can lead a lot of people on the, the sidelines. Like I'm a very big believer in, in education, in, in picking it up, doing it yourself, but not for everyone. Like mm. if, if, if you're on 150 grand, 200 grand a year well, like, and you're earning a few hundred dollars an hour, probably don't do the $50 an hour jobs. Like mm. it, just, it doesn't make sense. Mm. It, it has to fit your, your skill level, your interest, mm. your, your mm. time that you've got available. Uh, because I, I've seen people that have got into renovation when I was an agent that should never have done it. And a lot of the time it was actually the two left hands. Like what, one of my dearest friends, I, I, I won't actually know, well, it's you, Justin, you know who you are. Um, he, he's Called out. <laughs> he, he's, he's one of my best mates in the whole world. But he bought a Renault project and it's, it's just not his thing. Like he just, he just wasn't a handy dude and he wasn't really on top of like coordinating the trades or that kind of stuff. But he's such an intelligent person. He's probably one of the smartest people I know with numbers. Mm. But it's it's about finding that lane. And if, if you can't find that lane yourself, don't be afraid to outsource it. Someone else can swim in that lane for you. Mm. Mm. Um, did you have a mentor? You, you read Steve McKnight's book, Donald Trump's book. Did you have someone that had done the renovating that you maybe picked their brain before you got started? How, how could... Because to, to do what you've done, you know, that, that's a, it's a massive achievement from a, a standing start. You must have been someone that, that at least sought um, advice, opinion from someone. Kind of yes and no, like the podcast. So there wasn't one particular person. Mm. It was more so, there's a saying that I say all the time, which is normalize, don't idolize. As soon as you idolize someone, you put them on a pedestal that seems like too far out of reach. But when you can normalize what someone does, it, it makes it obtainable. And and the more I started talking with people that had three, four, five million dollar portfolios, I realized that there was no superpower that they had. They they were they weren't born differently. None of them were born into money. Every single person I think I've had on the podcast has has been self-made in some way. And or actually, like, because Alex was one of the reasons I actually got her on. Because I remember there was a post and everyone was jumping on her, going, "Oh yeah, but it's where you come from." And I was like, "I bet you there's more to this girl." And I, and I had her on the show, and and there is absolutely more to that woman. She's mm-hmm. yeah, she's she's amazing. But but it's about having the determination. It's about going, "How do I make this happen?" And by finding out that I could, I could actually just manufacture that within myself from surrounding myself with all of these different people that didn't idolize but they made it normal i think it's it's that collection that that really moved me forward as as a as a mentor or mentees, mentors, mentors. Mm. Yeah, let's pluralize it. It sounds like around t- 2017 you got you got clarity, right? Something mm. clicked where you you all of a sudden 
had a clear idea of what you wanted to do. And I, I think what often gets in the way of, of, of clarity for, for people is, is the noise of, you know, what's going on. Uh, but ultimately it's, it comes down to thinking one thing, feeling another, or, or, or thinking and knowing one thing and doing another to the parrot um, analogy that you've got. Mm-hmm. And so to get the clarity, you, you have to almost, I feel like you've got to have this circuit breaker that, that motivates you. You must have had something that, that you said, geez, I want this. I want this, you know, 10 years from now, this is what I want my life to look like. I'm going to take action. It was the opportunity cost and the lack of, of action. It was It was actually probably a bit more... One of my favorite podcasts at the moment is um, Modern Wisdom by Chris Williamson. Love it. Mm. I've been listening to it a lot. And and it's it's that <clears throat> you can either be driven by by fear or you can be driven by that positivity. And it doesn't really matter which one you get your fuel from as long as you got the fuel, but it does matter which one you keep burning the fuel with. Because if you're constantly driven by fear for the rest of your life, it's probably not a really good way to live the rest of your life. Mm. But if you can get started with it, use it, do it. And mm. I think that that fear of kind of going, yeah, what am I doing? I'm, I'm 30 something years old now. I don't, I don't have nothing, but I've got pretty close to nothing. I always thought I was convinced I was going to be a millionaire by the time I was 25, but I never did anything about it. So of course it never happened. And, and I think it was that fear of like, if I don't do something now, it's never going to happen. So it started with that 2017, 2019, fueled by fear. It was then the podcast was started in 2019. That's when it changed to fuel with the positivity. So mm. it kind of kind of switched. Mm. One led to the other. Yeah. And then and then obviously you know you've built confidence, haven't you, from taking action? Very much. Took action, small step to start with, or small pro, small project ish. Mm. Then you've gotten more and more confident to the point where you know four units. I'd imagine probably not where you'd encourage someone to start. Yeah. So, so if someone's listening to the podcast right now and thinking, I think I want to be a bit more active about my, my investing, what would, your, what would your tip be to them in terms of getting started? If, if you're thinking about doing the renovation side and you own your own house, take on a small DIY project at home because mm-hmm. if you do it and you're like, I got a good self-accomplishment self feeling, didn't really take me too long, I enjoyed it, I'm good at it, make sure you get someone else to look at it as well because like you know, maybe you're not as good at it as what you think. And honesty is very important in that because a buyer or uh, a valuer will be very honest if it's mm. good or not. But if you start there, whether it's like something that you you can't hurt yourself, don't rewire all of the lights at home. Don't do something mm. you can kill yourself with. <laughs> but if let's say you want to retile the splash back in the laundry, mm. okay? If that, if, if that goes absolutely pear-shaped, mm. you can fix it pretty cost-effectively. Mm. But if you do it and you're like, actually, that was that was pretty good. I don't mind that. I watched a bunch of DIY videos. Mm. It, it kind of gives you a sense whether you should get into something that's a bit more active because you might do that and that's the worst experience of your life. You hate it. Maybe you're a bit like my mate Justin. There's things that you're wonderful at, but that's not one of them. Mm. Find that out before you commit to half a million or a million-dollar property that you need to renovate because... Not only will that put so much stress on you, if you've got a partner, it's going to put massive stress on your relationship. It's going to put mm. huge stresses on your finances. Mm. So start small. Start with something that if it goes wrong, it's okay. Mm. And in terms of you've you got to add value, right? That's the whole de- idea of a renovation is you've got, to, you've got to take on something that someone else probably doesn't want to take on. Yep. So you're looking at um, typically 
you know, cosmetic things like, say, walls, you know, new, repaint, carpet, tiles, do, do all that stuff, um, remodel the kitchen, remodel the bathroom, or it could be um, something that maybe isn't as, as obvious to the eye, like a structural problem where maybe it's, you know, the house has sunk a little bit and you've got to prop it up. Mm-hmm. Have you got a formula in terms of what is better to bite off, adds more value, better return on investment? So I put it into or put renovations into three different categories. You've mm-hmm. got cosmetic, heavy cosmetic, structural. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cosmetic is generally under carpet, curtains, paint, mm-hmm. pretty simple stuff. Which probably doesn't scare off many people. Yeah. So, you, you know, you're more competitive, right? Yeah. It, yep. Like anyone can paint a wall and let's say you do a really bad job and you cut in like you've had a blindfold on you can fix it pretty simply as well. Mm. Like it's it's not the end of the world unless you're painting like white mm. on black that gets a little yeah. bit harder. Might be a good place to start though Yeah, for, for someone who's just starting out. I, exactly. Yep. Heavy cosmetic would then be moving to ripping out bathrooms, mm. ripping out kitchens. Big project. Yeah. It's not quite structural, but it's pretty close to it. Mm. Structural mm. is then when we talk about, let's say the back end of the house is sinking. Mm. Maybe there's a, a huge tree that's caused subsidence in the soil and you mm. need to get that fixed. That, that will scare everyone off. Pretty you, much. you will have the market to yourself on that property, I can tell you right now. Yeah. But, but that's a good thing, right? Um, high upside, but it's a big project. Correct. Probably, Probably not where to start. No. Like, un- unless you've got construction experience, but then I yeah, guess... Yeah, you might be an not, engineer and, and yeah, great. You, mm. You're not starting there. Actually, on that note as well, a big thing, if you are a trade and you're listening to this... This was this always baffled me. I used to sell for a lot of tradies, mm. and and they'd always like because I I'd, naturally I'd use them mm. on my renos, and they'd mm. come in and be like, Todd, how do you do this? Like, what what's what? I, I wish I could do this, and I would be talking to them, going, I wish I had your skills, mate. Like, I I'm a pretend tradie. I just enjoy this, and I coordinate things, and I do the bits of DIY. Mm. But what usually trips up trades is they look at what's possible, not what's profitable. Mm. And and they'll start spending heaps on like oh we just did the kitchen and and let's say you're in like a in a blue collar area of, of Adelaide let's just use Adelaide because we're in Adelaide at the moment and they'd spend like thirty five thousand dollars on it and it's like no no do not like that's it's possible and you just walked into the nicest kitchen in Ranella but but it's not profitable you you need to be able to pull those budgets back. And I find that's a, a common thing with trades because generally it's not their job to balance the budget. It's their job to do the best job they can and have a happy customer. Hmm. So, yeah, just a bit of word of warning of balance profitable and possible if hmm. you're a tradie looking to rent over profit. I'm going to finish by uh, I want to talk about your podcast because mm-hmm. Alex and I love it. We uh, I dial in every now and then. Uh, I've got certain ones that grab me. Uh, Alex is religious, right? So okay. she's given me um, you're on quick shots this week because she's given me three questions that she wants me to ask oh, yeah. you. Um, we, we, we'll come to that later. Is she getting me back for that builder or banana thing that we did? Uh, I, I, I don't no. know what she's got planned okay. <laughs> because because I never do. She turns up to podcast recordings with no notes, so. Okay. You never know what she's got planned. But um, let's talk about the podcast. Uh, where, where can people find it first and foremost? Uh, so Spotify, iTunes, and we've recently stepped things up because now we've got the studio, so we're on YouTube as well. There you go. And it's Pizza Times Property. A pizza and Property. Pizza and Property, yeah, sorry. I, I yeah. named it after my two favourite things. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. We named ours after our favourite thing, the double shot. So it. uh, it's, it works. Um the the uh, theme is you, you've got different guests that come on quite mm-hmm. a bit, um, 
Uh, how, many, how many episodes are you in? There's, there's quite a lot. About 450-something now. 450. So, like, there's a massive back catalogue for people. Uh, maybe you can give a, a brief overview of the type of um, themes that, that, that people can jump in and look for. Obviously, renovating would be part of it because that's, that's been your experience. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, could you – who else have you – You've probably covered everything, but give us the maybe the big ones. P- pretty much, actually, it is. It really is a bit of everything. We've done that on purpose because it's something that <clears throat> something that I never really liked was this is my way. If you do it any other way, you are wrong and you will fail. And it's like no, because there's there's there was this book that I read years ago, Hundred Greatest Businesses of All Times, and the mind behind and the minds behind them. And I remember this line in there saying that there is as many ways to create a great business as there are great businesses. Mm. Everyone has a slightly different path. Mm. And and there's some people that I get on the show that I personally don't agree with the way that they invest. I would not do it. But they've got $20 million portfolios. Obviously, it's working. Mm. So it, it's, it's a huge different cross-section of blue chip investing, renovating, developing, uh, we've got Airbnb episodes. We actually do these formats where we get debates. And we had uh, like an Airbnb versus rooming house debate. Uh, we did a blue chip versus blue collar debate. Uh, is a buyer's agent actually worth it debate? They were really good fun. And then we've got these other formats called step episodes where you walk someone through all of the steps involved in mm-hmm. a process. Uh, transformational stories from I started with nothing and now that I'm here and really pulling apart all of the, well, how did you do it? What were the roadblocks in your way? We're actually about to record, uh, after this episode actually, you and I are doing now, um, a Project Profiles episode of uh, splitting a block of land. I think it's from one into four and all of mm. the, the trials and tribulations that, that they had actually mm. splitting the blocks, getting them sold mm. because it's, it's interesting to find out what happens, what does it really look like when you lift the hood because mm. it's all well and good to look at a project and go, oh, we made X hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars like, yeah, but what do you have to do to get it? Mm. That's why I think the real value is in the podcast is mm. is all of those behind the scenes moments. Great. Well, look, I can recommend it, guys. So if you if you listen to the double shot, you love pizza and property as well. You can add it to your, your list. I'm thinking of you, Michael. I know you're a serial podcaster uh, and listener of the double shot. You'll, you'll be one that uh, no doubt will go and find that one. Uh, thank you, Todd, for joining us. Uh, it's been great. Could keep going for hours, but I've got a plan to catch and I want to get you on you do. for uh, the quick shots later in the week. Uh, thank you once again for giving us your time. Thanks a lot, James. Pleasure having me or having you. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> having each other. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is the doubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is the doubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.